the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving. Jimmy Sangenberger back in the saddle for Deborah Flora today on this Thanksgiving Eve. News Talk 710-KNUS. Thanks so much for joining us, being a part of the program. If you want to join into the festivities, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number to do just that. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone or tweet at me directly, 24-7-365. I am at Sang Center. That's Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. And... You can email me. A couple of ways to do that. Direct to yours truly. Go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page at 710knus.com. Speaking of, I do indeed host the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 here on good old News Talk 710knus. Then you can also log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com. And keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U. In Sangenberger. It's all ease all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. So lots of ways to get in touch with the program here on this eve of Thanksgiving. We have much to be thankful for, even during trying times coming up in a little bit. I will read in full. The Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln. There was the original one on October 3rd, 1789 by George Washington. But the one that basically started it all as far as the consistent every November last Thursday Thanksgiving celebration was Abraham Lincoln's, which was issued on October 3rd, 1863. We will read that in full coming up in the next segment and also be joined by Stephanie Hancock. She ran for House District 41 in this last election cycle as the Republican candidate. We'll get her thoughts on Lincoln's proclamation as well as the fundamental question during very difficult times when you face loss, whether that is a lost election in her case or a lost loved one or the tragedies and difficulties that we experience in our daily lives, maybe what we saw in this past week, and how can we still have that spirit of thankfulness and bring it to the fore tomorrow on Thanksgiving. That'll be coming up here in just a little bit on the program. Uh, But first, there are a few things I want to get through in this beginning part of the show. And that includes an update on what has transpired as far as, and we discussed this yesterday as well, the horrifying mass shooting from Saturday night, late Saturday night, in Colorado Springs at the LGBTQ nightclub known as Club Q. 
In fact, this is the topic of my column for Colorado politics today, which I have tweeted out. And you know what? I'm going to pin that at Sang Center on my Twitter as well. Remember saying with an E, not an A, center on Twitter, but it's entitled Heed Mental Health Warning Signs. Before I get to a little bit of what I share in that regard, let's get up to speed on what has happened today involving Anderson Lee Aldrich, who is the individual accused of fatally shooting five people and wounding 18 others at Club Q over the weekend. We are now learning as... The Gazette and other publications are reporting that Aldrich wanted to be, quote, the next mass shooter. This goes back to the 2021 incident we talked about some yesterday with police where it involved a bomb threat and more other firearms and so forth in his custody. Because his grandparents, Aldrich's grandparents, were planning to move to Florida. That's according to the 2021 arrest affidavit, alleged in the affidavit. There were a lot of different signs here. We are now learning as well, this happened overnight, that Aldrich identifies as non-binary and uses the pronouns they, them, and their, which has to be an interesting twist for the media narrative that was blaming conservatives for creating some sort of environment that fostered the shooting that happened on Saturday night. Now, this was quite a development, especially if you were watching, say, CNN, where Dana Bash and a few others saw this breaking news and basically went ahead and, what's the term, misgendered Aldrich. Take a listen to this from last night on CNN. Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Errol Lewis, also back with me, Al Franken and Joe Walsh. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background. And uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I mean, you know, I don't know if I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's what he's now saying. It it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That's the least of his problems, legally speaking. But it looks like they're trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Such I mean, that is what it sounds like. We'll wait to see. Wait a second. I thought that we were not supposed to judge the reasons that somebody says they want to be addressed using certain pronouns. I thought we weren't supposed to decide for ourselves whether or not to accept if they were transgender or non-binary. Yet that's not what they were displaying on CNN. This could just be a legal defense strategy. Go figure, when the narrative 
doesn't line up with reality, what do they do? They have to say, well, reality isn't actually what you think it is. Let's go back to our narrative. The suspect, Anderson Lee Aldrich, made the first appearance in court for the proceedings in the 4th Judicial District today. I watched some of the video, and Aldrich is clearly slumping over in the chair and very quiet and subdued as far as responding to or answering any questions, and that comes from having been injured when two bystanders bystanders subdued Aldrich. By the way, those heroes, their names, Thomas James and Richard Fierro. And, I mean, kudos to them doesn't even begin to describe it when they are heroes like they were, those two gentlemen. So the first, very first appearance happened remotely, but there will be an in-person court appearance scheduled for December 6th. Now, today in my column for Colorado Politics, Heed Mental Health Warning Signs, I walk through some of the very disturbing details that we have learned about Colorado's latest alleged mass murderer, who was formerly known as Nicholas Brink until Brink changed the name to Aldrich, Anderson Lee Aldrich. Now, it appears that Aldrich has had longstanding mental and emotional issues that trace back to childhood. For example, I think I read some of this yesterday, but the Gazette summarized it this way. His upbringing is marked by a biological father who dabbled in drugs and worked in the porn industry and a mother with multiple arrests in California and Texas. And the two parents separated while Aldrich was a toddler. Shortly before he changed his name, The suspected shooter apparently was a target of online bullying and showed signs of a fascination with gay culture, close quote. Now, I alluded to this a moment ago, but in June of last year, Aldrich, then 21, was reportedly the suspect in a bomb threat incident in which Aldrich possessed, quote, multiple weapons while threatening to blow a home to holy hell, close quote. The incident was live-streamed, apparently, on Aldrich's mother's Facebook page, showing Aldrich wearing body armor and a helmet. The mother reported the threat to law enforcement, according to the Gazette, asserting that her son had made threats from within the house, shown in the video with a homemade bomb, several weapons, and ammunition. And the suspect was accused of two counts of felony menacing and three counts of first-degree kidnapping. No formal charges, though, were pursued in the case. Now, that case was sealed automatically. Law enforcement can access a sealed case, but it's possible it could take a little more time and maybe they may be precluded from swiftly having a critical tool in prevention. For instance, as the Aurora Sentinel editorialized last year in opposing the bill, These sealed sealed records, quote, hobble the press and government agencies from scrutinizing who's arrested, why and whether there are nefarious reasons for the number and target of arrests or the lack of convictions. We also have that red flag law here in Colorado. 
And clearly, Aldrich's purported 2021 incident seems like one instance where it may have actually been valuable, yet it apparently was never used. So here again, folks, we have a case where existing laws either served as an impediment to information or were not being utilized. Why not? We keep learning more about Aldrich's story. While there's a narrative that they're perpetuating in the media and have wanted to perpetuate, that a climate of some kind orchestrated by conservative media and social media outlets had led to the shooting based in hate, we really see a child raised in a broken home and a troubled childhood. Later, an adult who had previously had a threatening run-in with law enforcement. So why can't we conclude, in fact, we should conclude, that there was a coalescence of a variety of different significant mental health issues and a multi-layered failure to act that culminated in the atrocity we saw on Saturday. I write the following in my column, and I think it's a very important point to raise. To be clear... A man is responsible for his own actions. Aldrich, and Aldrich alone, is culpable for committing his unspeakable evil. Even so, what we learn about his background and the possible failures along the way is instructive. It reminds us to follow the warning signs and to take actions when we are in position to help. It reemphasizes the importance of mental health treatment as well, which, by the way, is especially important around the holidays. This is a reminder, sure, for doing whatever we can to try and prevent an atrocity like this. But we also have to think about the stressors and trials and tribulations that people can going, be going through around the holiday season, around Christmas, as the Christmas season comes upon us, and when we give thanks to God tomorrow. But At the same time, things are difficult during the holidays. So as I thumbed through Twitter on Sunday morning, that's where I first saw the news about the Club Q mass shooting. I noticed, for me, another depressing loss as a a 90s kid. Uh, Jason David Frank, who's a mixed martial artist and actor best known for portraying Tommy Oliver on the show Power Rangers, uh, died Saturday night evening as well. Soon after, it was confirmed that morning that Frank had taken his own life, leaving behind four children. I note in my column today that as the original Green and White Rangers, Tommy was my favorite Ranger and an icon for my 1990s childhood. Jason David Frank became the most famous, visible, and influential Power Ranger actor for many, many years, returning to the series on multiple occasions in future incarnations and promoting Power Rangers online and at events. That's a reminder of mental health implications when someone takes their own life. Now, the, the holidays are, as I mentioned, very difficult for many and two years ago, uh, longtime listeners may, to my program on Saturday mornings, may recall this, but I, I wrote in a Colorado politics column and shared for the first time about my own struggles with depression and suicide. 
Um, I discussed my own experience in in depth in that 2020 column. And and needless to say, uh, I was treated for clinical depression and anxiety for more than seven years. And during that time, um, New Year's Eve, December 31st of 2013, I nearly took my own life. Now, fortunately, my family was there to support me, even if it meant calling police on a mental health emergency. And I I wrote at the time in 2020 that I first shared this, quote, while I had no idea this would end up being one of the best things to ever happen to me because it set a new course for my treatment, it was the most intense and miserable night of my life. And so ever since then, every New Year's has been a bittersweet reminder. But fortunately, as my life shows, and that fateful night shows, there is a path forward. There there are so many treatments and services available for those in need as well as for those who are in a position to help, to get resources, to get support. As I say in my column today for Colorado Politics, Heed Mental Health Warning Signs, violence against oneself or others just isn't the answer. Truth and love are. And I think it is important for us to all have a a unified clarion call about the need to address mental health and, and address even the stigma. It doesn't mean we need more expansive government programs and so forth. But just start by saying, you know what, these are real issues we all deal with. And sometimes it gets really bad and requires treatment, and that's okay. Because there is another side you can get to that other side you can be better off and sometimes it takes those in our lives who love us to show support to show they care to reach out and say we need to do something and sometimes that's tough love if you feel threatened by a loved one or you're concerned about what a loved one might do it is true love to do something that may be uncomfortable, may mean calling the authorities, may mean taking some kind of action. But it's worth doing. Whether it saves their life, that individual's life, or many lives. Or if it even just helps them get through life a little more easily. We know how difficult the holidays can be. We know how difficult Christmas and New Year's could be for many who are going through tough times. And I just thought it's an important reminder for everybody in all of these different circumstances. There is a better path forward. Let's chart that together. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Deborah Flory. You got Jim behind the glass and Jimmy here on the air We'll be joined by Stephanie Hancock and do a full reading of Abraham Lincoln's 1863 Proclamation of Thanksgiving. I think it is all the more important to give thanks today than we've had in a long time. So let's do it together. 
Jimmy in for Deborah. Stephanie on the other side. Keep it right here. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good afternoon. Jimmy Sangenberger back with you. News Talk 710 KNUS filling in for Deborah Flora coming up on Friday. John Caldera will be in the chair the day after Thanksgiving. And then I'll be in for Stefan Tubbs from 4 to 7 on Friday. Plus, you got the Jimmy Sangenberger show from 6 to 9 every Saturday morning here on News Talk 710 KNUS. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and the history of Thanksgiving is pretty profound. It is something that was already before our country was founded, regularly being celebrated and acknowledged in the land that would become the United States of America. And in 1789, on October 3rd, then-President George Washington issued the very first Thanksgiving proclamation calling for a day of thanks on November 26th. But it wasn't until Abraham Lincoln on October 3rd, 1863, that we formally got this tradition of a Thanksgiving Day celebrated on the last Thursday of November every month. Each state before this would schedule its own Thanksgiving. So with that spirit in mind... I thought we would channel the nation's first Republican president who, during the darkest time in our country's history, a civil war, brother against brother, father against son, the terror of that moment in history, when all things seemed gloom, right now where we have gloomy times, it seems appropriate to read the Thanksgiving of Thanksgiving proclamation, the original one from Abraham Lincoln. And then we'll bring on my friend Stephanie Hancock to reflect a little bit on that and the spirit of thankfulness for tomorrow. So let's read it, shall we? Washington, D.C., October 3rd, 1863, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere, except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. 
The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines, as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals, have yielded more than abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield. And the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers, and the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation, and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done at this city of Washington this third day of October in the year of our Lord 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 88th, by the President, Abraham Lincoln. How profound those words. If only we could hear Lincoln deliver such words himself, given the incredible orator that he was. And what a powerful proclamation of thanksgiving it was and remains an eternal reminder of the need to, even in the darkest times, and the call to and the reason to, justification for giving great thanks to God himself, every thanksgiving. I'm joined now to discuss this and more by my friend Stephanie Hancock, who ran for House District 41 and unfortunately was unsuccessful as a great many Republicans were this past cycle. Let's be real. Stephanie, happy Thanksgiving and welcome. 
Thank you, Jimmy, and happy Thanksgiving to you and all the listeners out there. What do you make of those words from Abraham Lincoln? We were in the middle of a civil war, the civil war that resulted in the end of slavery, that vile institution in this country, and he was so optimistic and so grateful there. You see, that's the beauty of the foundational truth of who Lincoln was and what our country's founding uh, was meant to be. With all of the turmoil, with the war ensuing, he still made note of the prosperous potential of our country, the fact that through the heartache and the sadness that we look to almighty God for our help and our strength, and that his tender kindness and his loving patience, even though we were trying to get our needs met at that time at our own expense, fighting brother against brother, he still held out hope to be thankful and remember that almighty God still loves and cares for us and to set aside time to reverence that truth. And I find so much hope in that. I think that's uh, very well put, Stephanie, and so true when you read the words of Lincoln, who was not only a profound orator, but one of the most exceptional writers in American history, to be sure. Now, you ran for office this year. And it was a very tough go for Republicans. In fact, there's in many quarters a defeatist attitude because we are a bluer state now than we were before. Now you are a few weeks past your unfortunate loss in House District 41. How are you looking at things, especially as we go ahead to Thanksgiving tomorrow, and especially given that there were so many other Republicans, not just yourself, who were unsuccessful? You know... Initially, it was like a kick in the gut. I knew the job was dangerous when I took it, you know, in that I had an uphill battle in the fight. But, you know, the great thing about this republic and who I am as a citizen servant is that I stepped into the ring to say not everybody agrees. Not everybody co-signs with this. And freedom, freedom versus force has always been the foundational truth of who I am and who the party is. No, we weren't successful, and we are bluer today than we've ever been. But I still have hope that there are people who will see the value of those who fought valiantly, even though we lost up and down the ticket, and it was painful to witness. Um, I think we should not give up because we live in a country where we have the freedom to speak our minds and to object respectfully and vigorously, but I think it's also important to be thankful that we have the opportunity to even try. There are countries around the world that if you are a dissonant voice, you may disappear. And we in this country have the right to say, no, I don't agree, and I'm going to run against you, and it's okay that I can do that. Win, lose, or draw, we're moving this ball somewhere. Um, and maybe someone's eyes will open, and the next person, if I get the door open a crack, maybe the next person will get their foot in, and then the next person will get their arm in, and before you know it, the door will be opened again. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I love how you mentioned freedom versus force being a guiding, sort of a guiding light, it sounds like, for you. And, I mean, when we just heard from Abraham Lincoln, of course, he was the one of the most foremost advocates of freedom in the history of the world, quite frankly. 
And uh, I mean, when when we look at our country, there's so much richness, but we also can see, yes, there's the electoral defeat, Stephanie Hancock, but there's also the personal strife. We saw another mass shooting over the weekend in Colorado Springs. And then I think it was what last night in Chesapeake, Virginia at a Walmart. So much devastation. And we see uh, suicides that are rising, drug overdoses, the list goes on. What, what do you think folks should keep in mind as we go into Thanksgiving for those broader issues? Yes, there's the electoral thing. There's the, the side of our country where we see so much that is uh, under attack in that political context. But what about the day-to-day lives and the challenges that we face as people? Well, you know, I'm going to take a sentence right out of President Lincoln's uh, words here. He said, and I recommend to them that while offering up ascriptions justly due to him, meaning God, for such singular deliverances and blessings that they also, with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, commend to his tender care. You know, I'm taking that bit because I feel like, What has happened in our country, sadly, and there are a lot of people who would disagree with me, but we've replaced the foundational truths of our faith with governance. And the government is a nebulous body that really does not take the place of what God has placed on the inside of us, that emptiness that only God can fill. And for us as human beings, we long for companionship and connection. And I've never in my whole life seen as many lonely people as I'm seeing today. At the heart of this matter is a spiritual deficit that people are trying to fill in so many ways. And when you take away hope from people, there is nothing left but despair. And despair breeds violence, and violence is tragic. And what I think people should do from my perspective, having experienced both loneliness and joy, is that When you look to the greater creator, the one who set you here in this time, you can find fulfillment of joy. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about calling out to a God who does exist, who does love you. And that's the thing. And then reaching out to other people to find that whole spiritual connection that will give you the, the, the hope that you need to continue. I think that is very beautifully said, Stephanie Hancock. I have to leave it there, but I hope you will stay in the ring, step up again, run for office in some capacity, because one of these days you'll get in there, and I think you'll do a great job at whatever role you were to pursue. Uh, thankful for you and your friendship, thankful for you running, and let me thank you for coming on the show today. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Once again, Stephanie Hancock joining us. And I think she's so right in terms of observing that spiritual aspect, which Abraham Lincoln clearly was addressing very directly, very pointedly in his powerful words from 1863. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Deborah Flora on the other side. Folks, there's a change coming. Dr. Anthony Fauci is leaving. Now, he's got a really nice pension that he'll be getting. But today was his very last press conference at the White House, and it uh, got a little interesting. We'll wrap up with that and more coming up on the other side. Jimmy in for Deborah, Newstalk 710 KNUS. <clears throat> 
Wrapping up and winding down, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Deborah Flora. I see Randy Corcoran behind the glass. He just arrived to fill in for Stefan Tubbs from 4 to 7. I will be in for Mr. Tubbs, Mr. Tubes, from 4 to 7 this coming Friday afternoon. And then, of course, there's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 9, News Talk, 710-KNUS. Ladies and gentlemen... He's going away. Thank you very much, Green, for that really very, very kind introduction. It's really a great pleasure to be back here with you again, albeit, I believe, for the last time. So he's getting an outrageous pension. And surely he's going to get a big book deal. He'll be all over cable news. Maybe eventually he'll go away. But at least we won't have to suffer Dr. Anthony Fauci any longer in a position of power over our lives. Can we at least do a little bit of applause here? (laughs) Bye-bye, Fauci. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But it got testy. Pretty crazy at the press briefing yesterday. Corinne Jean-Pierre... Lost control of the press briefing at one point. About this, Dr. Fauci, um, only only thirteen percent. Hold on one second. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell, and you're being you're being you're being disrespectful to your colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell, and also you're taking time off the clock. Because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I ba- I'm done. I'm not going. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Dr. Fauci, um, but, but she's only, she's only she's not third grade question. Not being Jeremy. You ask your question. You should allow her to answer. Jeremy, it's Jeremy. It is not. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. You can't she has a valid question. She's asked about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person. I, to I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is the disrespectful. It is. I'm done, Simon. I'm done. I'm Simon. I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Wow, Corinne Jean Pierre, White House press secretary. She's not very good at this job, by the way. That was originally in response to the Daily Caller's Diana. Glebova shouting a question to Fauci about the origins of COVID-19. And then the New York Post, Stephen Nelson, came to her defense. And then finally, there was this uh, reporter from an African outlet, Simon. Oh, I don't see his name here, but uh, Simon Ataba from Today News Africa, their chief White House correspondent was the last guy that you heard her shut down there. Getting a little testy with the reporters when they press on something like, I don't know, how COVID got started. More and more evidence that it was, as so many of us have been led to believe by this point, and back early on, going back to 2020, in a Wuhan lab. More evidence was that the Atlantic, I think the Atlantic did a big expose on that. Or the New Yorker. It was the New Yorker. I can't remember. One of them. But 
Anthony Fauci is going. He did have some final advice for us. First of all, everybody should be vaccinated and boosted with flu and with COVID. Whether or not you wear a mask or another thing we shouldn't underestimate is testing. So when we're gathering at a family gathering for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for any other holiday as we get into the winter, it makes sense that you might want to get a test that day before you come into a place in which you might be infected. Okay, that's enough. We don't need, we can just cut off his last little tidbit of advice for the American people in some official capacity from the White House. Let's listen one last time to this, though. Thank you very much, Kareem, for that really very, very kind introduction. It's really a great pleasure to be back here with you again, albeit, I believe, for the last time. I'm thankful that Dr. Anthony Fauci is going, going, gone. Maybe Alexa's right here. Fauci should be in jail, she texts in. You know, I really we need to get to the bottom of of this officially, and I'm glad that House Republicans will be able to look into it. Very thankful about that. And I'm thankful to you all listening, to KNUS, to Deborah Flora for the opportunity to sit in today for Jim doing a great job behind the glass. Have a great Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you Friday, 4 to 7, when I'm in for Stefan Tubbs, which Randy's about to do, and this coming Saturday from 6 to 9. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We'll have some fun this weekend. Tune in then. Happy Thanksgiving, and may God bless America. Never give up. Never surrender. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.